six is officially upon us. We are going to talk all about it. We're the only playbook. Sweet car, Shashot, Shovit, the usual suspects. What's going on, guys? TGIF. Yeah, it feels great. Finally. Friday episodes are so much better than the Tuesday episodes, just knowing that it's Friday. <sighs> and football's closer and jobs are done for the week unless you work on Saturdays and you're important. Yeah, well, the last two <laughs> the last two Saturdays I didn't feel like this. But, yeah, I got two days off for the first time in, like, three weeks. So, uh, you know how people, like – just they're like, oh, it's the weekend. Well, this is like a fucking vacation for me right now. It's just two days off feels amazing. Dude, that's crazy. I just can't imagine working on weekends anymore. But you know, maybe with if inflation keeps going up, then I can't afford to not. So you know, maybe I'll have to find a second weekend job. <laughs> now nah, you don't have to because the only playbook will pay for it by then. That'd be sick. That would be so sick. Nothing would make me happier, and then I could quit my job. Um, but anyways, week six here. Injuries galore. Let's talk about every single game and kick things off with water cooler talk. I think we made a perfect prediction about this Thursday night football game, guys. It was as ugly as we expected. It is the curse of Thursday night football. It seems to live on another week. The commanders traveled to Chicago to take on the Bears. Commanders favored by one point over under 38. Unders seem to be the lock of the century so far this year. 12-7 final score. Washington now moves to 2-4. Chicago is also 2-4. I mean, this game was so weird because all of the stats point to Chicago should have won this game, but that there are two key numbers that indicate why they didn't, right? Chicago, 21st downs to Washington's 14. Chicago was 5 of 13 on third downs to Washington's 2 of 11. Chicago had 392 yards total offense to Washington's 214. Wentz had 99 yards passing. He had less passing yards than Justin Fields, who like almost doubled him, 190 yards. But the problem, when Chicago got into the red zone, they were 0 of 3, Washington was 1 of 2. And then Chicago was 1 of 4 on fourth downs, which obviously doesn't help. And then two turnovers for Chicago. Washington did at least protect the football. So that ended up being the difference in what was one of the ugliest games I've seen all year. Seems to be a theme. Again, once 99 passing yards. I think the biggest story for the commanders is Brian Robinson starting after getting shot. Nice story. Gets 16, 17 carries, 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and the Bears, the Bears ran the ball really, really well. That's one thing that they do well. 37 combined carries for the backfield, 238 rushing yards. How are you running the ball so effectively, winning basically every single statistical category on paper that should mean time of possession, yet you still can't win the game? I mean, why was this game so damn ugly, guys? I mean, you said it the best, right? Like, oh, and three in the red zone. Like, they go for it on fourth down uh, twice, and like, the, I think it was the first quarter. And then that last get, last possession, so close, like inches away uh, to get the touchdown. And I think Justin Fields kind of, he came alive later on in the fourth quarter. He had that huge run and to even get to that, uh, to the to one-yard line. But, you know, you when you get there, like, you got to score points. If you're not going to score points, you're just not going to win the game, and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, it was it was brutal. I actually enjoyed this game because it it doesn't it didn't look like a twelve to seven game. There was a lot of movement, right? It wasn't stagnant. I know there was a lot of punts early on and all that good stuff, but a lot of yards were had. There were some plays that were made. Um, however, that pass rush, which is not that great, Washington's pass rush was in the backfield in less than two seconds. It feels like you know there was no play where Fields was standing there for probably like three seconds and not moving, you know, there was literally no time to throw. I don't, and their receivers aren't even that great. So this was a disaster from the start. Um, I'm surprised that they even made it down the field with 392 total yards, to be honest with you, because that was miserable. And the Bears were pretty dumb. You know, they ran a lot of plays where they were running 
uh, between the numbers or between the hashes when every play, when they, if it was a toss, if it, would a, if it was outside zone, they gained like six to 10 yards every play, but they were like, nah, let's just keep going between the, let's go, let's keep just, let's just go behind the fat people's booties. And it just didn't work. And, you know, I, I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel because we know what the problem is. It's pretty obvious. Now the whole country knows what the problem is. And the problem is, Fields is still making bad decisions on curl routes. You know, he's he's got a cannon for an arm and, you know, he throws it deep well, but you can't start throwing deep without, you know, establishing the short game first. And, you know, with the limited amount of time to throw the ball, that can never develop and just a lot of bad things. And I don't think this is going to get better, but I think they know what needs to improve. Yeah. And early on, it's not just like Fields uh, making the bad des- decisions. He's just not making decisions. Like there's a wide open pass and he's just not making those passes. And then he stays in the pocket for too long. And then like, you know, five seconds and you're going to get sacked like as a NFL quarterback. So he's got to trust his receivers to make those catches like in like 20, 10, 15 yard line and, and make those throws. I mean, the stats are so weird because Justin Fields coming out of college, that was his problem is he, he held on to the football too long. But again, when you're at Ohio State and you have five NFL offensive linemen behind you, you get all day to throw, right? So it's one of those things where, so you, where you're so used to having all day. And now he needs to be reading his progressions quicker, but it's like he's waiting for guys to be completely wide open before he throws them the football. And this is the NFL and that's not going to happen. So it's like there were plays where he literally was running for his life. But like you said, there were plays where he had all day to throw and he still couldn't make the throw. Like his best throw was on a play where he was literally, he had maybe like less than two seconds to throw on that bomb to Dante Pettis. That was a beautiful throw. That was amazing. But on the play in the red zone where he had the tight end coming out this way, wide open on like a five yard pass. Yeah. And he overthrew it too that. hard. That, that, that for an NFL quarterback is unacceptable. Like that you just can't have that. I mean, you're not going to get many easier opportunities than that. So, and I guess the other thing is Justin Fields, I think leads the NFL in holding the football too long and believe it or not, despite what last night showed. And I don't know, I'm sure last night skewed these numbers. Justin Fields has had the longest amount of time in the pocket to throw the football in the entire NFL this year, in the entire NFL wow, this year. That is hard to believe. Yep. Holy cow. That, that, that was a graphic that I think they literally put up during the game last night. So like, it's insane that he just doesn't, he doesn't throw receivers open. He's still of the mindset that like these guys need to be completely free for me to throw the football. And that's not the case, but also he doesn't have any help. Like Darnell Mooney dropping that pass. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like there, there's just a lot of shittiness around the Chicago bears, but despite all that, the commanders still gave them every single chance to win this football game. Right. So, I mean, that's how bad the commanders are as well. So this was kind of like, you know, the toilet bowl, early season toilet bowl, if you will, and the battle of like the two worst teams, commanders pull away, but it's it's ugly. It's ugly for Chicago. It's hard to assess Justin Fields, but the minimal opportunities that you can assess him, he's just not doing the little things. So it's like, where where do you go from here? Do you try to build around him with the hopes that he's going to get better? Or is this what he is? And even if you put the perfect infrastructure around him, he's still going to miss wide open passes because he doesn't necessarily know how to put good touch on the football and lead his receivers. Yeah. So, I mean, again, shit show of a Thursday night football game, but commanders take this one 12 to seven to move to two and four. Both teams are two and four, probably going to be battling for the number one draft pick in 2023. Let's jump into this freaking laundry list of injuries that I have here for us. I'll try to run through these as quick as possible. If you guys have any more Friday updates for any of these players, just interject where you can. Yeah. This was all based on Thursday night because I put this together this morning, but let's run through this. 
Cardinals running back, James Conner, out. Darrell Williams, out, which means Eno Benjamin is going to get the start for the Cardinals. He is full send. Shovet, you're excited. I'm excited. Shoshot, I don't know if you have him in any other leagues, but it's an exciting time to be an Eno Benjamin owner. So uh, bye weeks have come upon us, and so it's important that you're having people to fill up those bye week spots. Like Derrick Henry's not playing this week. So for me, getting to slide in Eno Benjamin in a situation like that, I'm pretty ecstatic about. Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts was limited on Thursday with a hamstring injury. Did he practice today? Anybody know? Yeah, limited. Limited. So he's limited with the hamstring to both days. He's gonna probably going to head into Sunday questionable and be a game-time decision. Uh, not that people have been excited about starting him anyways, but I think at this point, Pitts owners are just looking for a reason to not be obligated to start him. So you're almost hoping he's out before Sunday so you can be like, well, I didn't just make a mistake and start him and he'd give me a goose egg. Ravens running back Justice Hill limited on Thursday with a hamstring injury as well. I know Gus Edwards is making his way back from injury as well. They have J.K. Dobbins. He has been a little bit underwhelming, as has the run offense as a whole. But uh, as these running backs make their way onto the field, the Ravens love to utilize pretty much every back that they have. So it's one of those running back by committees or whoever has the hot hand. So if you're a Dobbins owner, you're probably not ecstatic about a situation. And it's going to be even less exciting when Justice Hill and Gus Edwards come back. But Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman didn't practice on Thursday. I don't believe he practiced today, and I think he is officially listed no. as out for Sunday. So uh, if he if he's not out, he's going to be a game-time decision, but not practicing Thursday and Friday does not bode well. He is still dealing with that foot injury. Bill's tight end, Dawson Knox, limited on Thursday with a foot and a hamstring injury. He is questionable for Sunday. Uh, Panthers quarterback Baker Mayfield didn't practice on Friday with his ankle. He is listed as doubtful, so it looks like P.J. Walker is going to get the start. We talked about Justin Fields. He did re-aggravate his shoulder on his non-throwing side yesterday, so that is something to monitor heading into next week. Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins wasn't in uniform on Thursday, was limited in practice today uh, with dealing with that ankle. He is still questionable. It is going to be a game-time decision. Don't make the mistake I made. Even if he does limit his practice tomorrow and he's a game-time decision, it doesn't seem like they're in a hurry to get him on the field without being 100%. So if you have good players on your bench or enough of a position at the wide receiver helm to put somebody else in. You probably just don't want to risk Higgins being lingered all day and hobbly Bengals tight end Hayden Hurst also limited on Thursday with the groin injury. Uh, he is also questionable heading into Sunday Broncos running back Melvin Gordon limited with the neck and a rib injury. He is questionable heading into Sunday as well. Or do they, they play on Monday? I think, right? Yeah. yeah I think the play, Broncos play a night Monday. game. Yeah, I think the Broncos might have the Monday night game this week. So he does get the extra day of rest. It does look like he should be good to go, though. Uh, with uh, Javante Williams out for season, you're full sending Melvin Gordon if you have him. Their quarterback, Russell Wilson, also limited with a shoulder injury. It does. Nathaniel Hackett did come out and say it is getting better and progressing. So barring something crazy today or tomorrow, Russ should be out there. But, you know, I'm a Russ owner. I don't feel great about starting him, so I don't know if you should either. Colts injury situation, Jonathan Taylor was limited in practice on Thursday, which was yesterday. I don't know if he practiced more than likely. He's probably limited today, still dealing with that ankle injury. Uh, their running back situation is a little bit interesting with Naeem Hines also dealing with the concussion that he had last week. So you're looking at, you know, if Jonathan Taylor can't go probably another Lindsay Jackson day, but if Taylor can go, he does have a decent matchup Chargers wide receiver, Keenan Allen limited on Thursday, finally back on the practice field, but it is that hamstring Keenan Allen and his hamstring man. Uh, until he logs full practice or they are confident and they remove the injury designation from him. Why do Sunday? You're why do people even there. draft him anymore? Why do people even draft him? Anymore? How many times does this have, have to happen for you to understand that like you're fucking up if you're drafting Keenan Allen? He's one of the most 
injury prone players out there because he injures For the sure. same thing every year. It's, it's his hamstring, right? So when mm-hmm. you're re-aggregating the same injury, you know that it's an injury prone receiver and it's not like fluky or unlucky. So yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunate for them. They really need him back, especially playing against Denver this week with the secondary that they have. Uh, but he is still listed as questionable. So be on the lookout to see if he gets to play. Rams, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Higby both limited with ankle and foot injuries. They are questionable heading into Sunday. Still expect them to play, barring something crazy. Dolphins running back Raheem Moser was limited on pra- limited to practice on Thursday, uh, dealing with his knee injury as well. Uh, I know, Chauvet, you're waiting to hear news about that to see if you can deploy Chase Edmonds finally. But it is interesting because Miles Gaskin still got some carries, I believe, last week when Moser went out. So yeah. uh, I think they feel what we feel, and it's that Edmonds is more of a gadget or a third down player, and they don't want to use him on first and second downs. Yeah, I think Raheem Moser said he was going to play, but this is him saying it. So official news hasn't come out. Yeah, you know how much players, you know what they say, <laughs> how much stock you put into what players actually say right. about their own injuries. Patriots dealing with injuries at every position. Mac Jones, quarterback, running back Damian Harris, and wide receiver Jacoby Myers, all limited in practice on Thursday. Ankle, hamstring, and knee injuries, all probably questionable. More than likely, it's probably going to be Bailey Zappi again at the helm. Ramondre Stevenson looks fantastic, and this is such a juicy matchup for the Patriots. So I think if you're a Stevenson owner, you're hoping they rest Harris for another week. Uh, Jacoby Myers has been probably the lone bright spot on the receiving core. So maybe in deeper leagues, you're starting him as a flex, but he is limited. So that's something to monitor. Saints wide receivers, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry didn't practice on Friday, dealing with the ankle and the foot injury. Chris Olave with the concussion was limited. Saints also have a cornerback that's injured, Jameis Winston. He was limited on Thursday with the back and ankle injury. He is still questionable. Uh, I don't know if any of those guys practice to the full potential on Friday or anything there. Yeah, so Thomas and Landry are both designated as out, and I believe Andy Dalton will get the start uh, for Jameis Winston. Okay. And Olave is not sure on Olave yet. Yeah, concussion, protocol, 50-50, probably monitor heading into Sunday at game time. Giants running back Saquon was limited, uh, and Galladay and Tony didn't practice. Wondell Robinson was limited, so their weapons are all bruised and busted up. I think Saquon more than likely will play. I think Galladay and Tony have officially been ruled out, and Wandell Robinson is questionable heading into Sunday. I think we might see Wandell Robinson for the first time this week. That'd be nice. Excited to see what he can do. Steelers tight end, Pat Fryermuth is officially out, I believe, right? With the concussion. He did not pass concussion protocol. Or maybe he did, and they're just being careful because of all the other concussions going on in the NFL. But nonetheless, he is going to be out on Sunday. Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett limited with the hamstring injury. He's another guy that has this hamstring stuff that gets tends to linger on for him. Something to monitor. He has been a yeah. nice surprise with Gino at the helm. Did, I think he's going to play. On him? Yeah, I think he's going to. Th- there's like an 80% chance he'll play. Okay, okay. So that that's probably good news for them. And then Bucks, Bucks wide receivers. Godwin rested on Thursday. I don't know if he practiced today. Julio didn't practice on Thursday and Russell Gage was limited. So their receiving core is dealing with some injuries. Godwin looks like he'll play. It was just a rest day since he was dealing with an injury all off season. And Cameron Brait was a full participant. So it looks like Brait will be back. Uh, Brady should get at least somewhat of his weapons back for Sunday. Any other injuries that uh, I did not highlight? Yeah. Chris Olave was a full participant at practice. So I think the concussion stuff is over. Um, and then um, Minka Fitzpatrick is out this game. So if just, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> yeah. Cam Akers also last minute. He's out with personal reasons, not even an injury. So I don't know what that's all about. So if you have Daryl Henderson, you're probably happy that Akers is out, that you can actually start him, even though the Rams offense has been abysmal. 
Yeah, uh, Tyler Lockett um, had his injury designation removed this morning, so he'll play. Perfect, perfect. Good for Lockett, good for Gino, hoping they can continue the charge. That's it for injuries, guys. Let's jump into the rundown. Real quick, highlight the four teams that are on bye this week, the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, the Vegas Raiders, and the Tennessee Titans. So bye weeks have officially started, which means managers are going to have to manage their teams a little bit better. And let's kick things off with the first game on Sunday. The 49ers are traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. 49ers come into this game five-point favorites over under sitting at 44.5. This game's pretty simple. It's going to be battle of the 49ers' run defense, which has been extremely stout against this Falcons' run offense without Cordero Patterson. The problem with the 49ers is they're dealing with injuries to Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and their cornerback, Jason Verrett. They're all hurt, and they're all dealing with injuries. So uh, that's going to significantly hinder that defense as that is an, an defensive end slash linebacker, a defensive tackle, and their cornerback. So all uh, basically all different positions are uh, dealing with lingering injuries there. Jimmy G may not be a bad streaming option. Obviously, the Falcons' defense is nothing special. I think in terms of fantasy outlook, you're, you're probably starting Jeff Wilson with full confidence, even though Tevin Coleman's been a nice compliment since he's been back. But I still expect with how well Wilson's running, there's no reason why he should not still get the workload that he's seen the past couple of weeks. Debo Samuel, you're probably still starting. And honestly, guys, this might be George Kittle's best matchup of the season thus far. So uh, if I'm if if you have George Kittle, are you starting him this week? I have never had George Kittle. Just never had the opportunity to have him in his good days. I have stayed away from him in his bad days. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the Kyle Pitts situation. Like, I'm going to go to my grave with Kyle Pitts. You know, I'm just going to, at least until maybe week eight, maybe week eight, because there's a lot of things that you, you can blame on these people, but there's a lot of things we understand why it's happening as well. So until that's clarified, uh, until you hear it from the coaches itself that, oh, I'm just going to use Kelsey. Kittle as a blocker or like, Oh, I'm just going to, you know, we're not going to throw the cop hits until I hear those words or see them for a long period of time without these injuries uh, being a part of the reason, then you're probably going to start them. Cause you know, what, what else is your option? Do you go with the upside of Kittle or do you go with the floor of a general Everett? Right. So it's like, it's up to you to decide. And it depends on your team. It depends on who you're playing this week. If you're playing against the number one guy in the league and you're ranked nine, you might want to start Kittle, buddy. But if you're like hanging out first place with a solid bunch of solid weapons and you're playing against fucking like Ayushas of the leagues that are just full of Fugazis, then you start you Gerald Everts because you can at least solidify those six points. So that's how I would approach this situation. Anybody on the Falcons side, you feel comfortable starting this week? Comfortable? No. 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 Yeah. Well, that's the story for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, without Cordero Patterson and with Pitts being as big of a question mark as he's been, there is no confidence in the Falcons offense. Again, 49ers, that defense has been stout, but they do are dealing with injuries. I do still expect a good offensive performance from pretty much everybody on San Francisco. Yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm a little shocked that San Francisco is only favored by five points. Falcons are at home, but um, yeah, this is gonna be a I don't know. So yeah, you're right. The line is a little bit sus. I mean, if if you know you're probably feeling pretty confident taking the 49ers. I wonder if it just has to do with the fact that they're dealing with defensive injuries. Okay. All right. Next game up, we got the Patriots going to Cleveland. Cleveland's favored by two and a half. When was the last time you saw that? Over-unders at 43. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and go with the under here. I know that I know we're probably expecting some scoring in one way or another, but this is the diarrhea game of the week. You're just going to see a lot of runs. It's going to be runs after runs after runs after runs and then a couple of passes here and there, especially if Jacoby Myers does not play. Uh, he's someone He's someone I've been kind of keeping an eye on because nobody wants him. He's been lingering around the free agency, and he was injured for the last two games prior to the most recent game. 
he had 12, 13 targets, um, and then he was out two games and he had eight targets. And in the game he had eight targets, he had 20 points. In the game he had 13 targets, he had 14 points. These, those are solid numbers. Um, small sample size, but solid numbers, because who else are they going to go to? There is nobody else to go to. Ramondre Stevenson is going to end up being the number one wide receiver on that team when the season's over at this pace. So, you know, uh, and there's no Clowney this week. There's no Denzel Ward this week. Cleveland's defense is thin on every level. They lost two linebackers over the last two weeks. They lost their best cornerback. They lost one of their best defensive tackles. They're depleted. And I think this is a perfect situation uh, to, you know, kind of look at that Cleveland being favored by two and a half and be like, hmm, Bill Belichick versus a bunch of injured people. I don't know about that one. So, you know, Bailey Zappi at the helm. If it was any other team, I'd be a little concerned, but it's a Bill Belichick ran team. So a rookie is, he knows his role. And I think he's going to establish his role early. It's going to be a lot of handoffs and a lot of dump offs and a couple of deep bumps. Um, so, you know, and, but by the way, uh, Mac Jones is still a game time decision. So we cannot rule that out exactly. Uh, I think, I don't think he's going to play um, just because Bailey Zappi probably, you know, went over the game script for this whole week and it's already going to be Saturday tomorrow. I'm not sure if you can kind of throw in Mac Jones. It's not like he's a veteran. He was a rookie last year. So it's, you know, he's still going to have to adjust to that kind of stuff. So I expect ba Bailey Zappi to play. And if Mac Jones plays, hats off to him. Um, and last thing uh, I want to mention is this may be a sneaky kicker game because who's going to score, right? Patriots have a pretty good defense this year. Uh, nothing to stand out on paper, but they create turnovers. They've had some defensive touchdowns. And if for some reason they're able to hold this running team, the running teams are always easier to hold than passing teams. But if for some reason we're at a lot of fourth downs this game, I have no doubt the Browns are going to move the ball, but I am not certain that they're going to score every drive. So that means kickers galore. Uh, Patriots, what are their weapons? Literally nobody. Maybe Stevenson gets another 160-yard game, sets the team up for a lot of field goal opportunities. I expect a lot of field goals this game. I am not going to play in these field goal kickers because there's a lot of better kickers out there. But, you know, if you're in that area where you had Bucker and now you don't have him and now you're picking, deciding what to do, barring the weather, I would pick a kicker from one of these two teams and see what happens. You think we're going to see a uh, three passes or less 2.0 game because it's Bailey Zappi and all they need to do is run, run, run. So Mac Jones throwing three passes, Bailey Zappi throws two. He's like, I'm going to one up you, man. Two passes and a dub. <laughs> Yeah, that, the weather would have to be pretty freaking crazy for that one. Yeah, let's hope not, because I'm playing against Ramondre, and I don't need him going off. No. Nice. I love a good kicker insight. I guess, you know, that's why you listen to only play. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. All right, next up, we've got the New York Jets traveling to Green Bay Lambeau Field to play against the Packers. The Green Bay is favored by 7.5 points. The over-under is 45.5. And, and believe it or not, Jets, if they win, they're, it's their first three-game winning streak to, since 2019. So that was the first year of Adam Gaze uh, that they did that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if they, if they pull it off, that'd be impressive. Uh, Packers, uh, they allow 126.4 rushing yards per game. So expect, uh, you know, some Michael Carter, Brees Hall action early on for them to try to uh, set the tempo to beat these Packers. They've got an uphill battle. I don't think the Packers will lose this game. Um, they're at home uh, last couple of days, uh, last three uh all the home games this year, uh, they've won by more than 10 points. So it's going to be tough for the Jets to, um, you know, to win this game. But, you know, like I said, the things here's the things to watch. Uh, Brees Hall needs to have a, a solid game. He had 197 yards last week, 97 from the ground um, on 18 carries. So more of that. Um, Jets, Jets defense 
we'll have to, uh, you know, just, just play well against this Packers wide receiver court. Who's going to stand out here, right? Uh, for Jets defense on paper, statistic-wise, looks really good, but they're playing guys like Trubisky, Pickett, Skyler Thompson, Jacoby Brissett. You know, the one game that they had with uh, the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow went off and had, had a solid game. So uh, this is going to kind of be a, a big test for them, given how good they've been stats-wise. But I – I believe in A-Rod. I think that A-Rod's going to connect with his weapons, his Dobbs, his Cobb, uh, all of those guys that they got. Uh, so, you know, I think all in all, um, Packers run game, Aaron Rodgers, the team as a whole is going to come out on top against this New York Jets. Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Colts at home favored by two over under sitting at 42. These are two teams I look at six weeks into the season, and I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to get. These, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting because um, Doug Peterson came out and said that they need to get Christian Kirk more involved. Like he's like, he deserves nine to 11 targets a game after, you know, the amazing start that he had. I think the last couple of weeks, he hasn't, he's not even, it's not even his fault. He hasn't had good games. He just hasn't even garnered very many targets. And it's not like they played tough opponents. They played the Texans last week. So something's got to give with that offense. So I'm looking at maybe a heavy dose of Christian Kirk as something to watch for. Uh, ETN has started to get a little bit more involved in the backfield. So it's kind of shifted with Robinson to more of a 50, 50 split. I don't know if that's going to continue, but uh, I think they're in a situation where they have two more than capable running backs. So you kind of just roll with the hot hand. Um, and I think, you know, on the cold side, you're looking at Jonathan Taylor. If he plays, I'm expecting a pretty big game based on the way Damian Pierce ran against this defense last week. But again, the Jaguars have an Achilles heel and it's the Houston Texans for some reason. So uh, I, I don't know if that's a great uh, game plan or template to follow, but uh, if Jonathan Taylor can't play, it's going to be tough for the Colts offense again. I mean, Matt Ryan hasn't looked great. He needs to get Michael Pittman involved, who I think you're still pretty comfortable starting. You're probably going to start ETN or Robinson if you're looking for an opportunity uh, based on bye week situation and the fact that this is going, these are two running backs they love to throw the football to, right? So PPR half point PPR uh, should be a solid start. Christian Kirk, just based on what Doug Peterson said, you're probably a little bit more excited to start him, even though his last couple of weeks don't dictate an automatic start. And I think, you know, as much as I hate to say this, Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram has become a pretty consistent tight end. So um, <laughs> he's got a floor of probably five points or so. So, you know, there are tight ends. We're giving you goose eggs, one point, two points, whatever. So uh, as bad as Evan Ingram's hands are, he gets enough targets that he can put up, you know, somewhat respectable tight end numbers. So uh, again, I have no idea which way this game is going to go. I've liked what I've seen from the Jaguars in a couple of weeks. And then they laid that dead against Houston. The Colts always play tough at home, but without Jonathan, and Taylor with how Matt Ryan's looked, I really don't have a lean this, in this game. Yeah, a couple of things I want to add. Um, I don't think the Jaguars are who I bet fifty dollars to win the Super Bowl for four thousand dollars or whatever that was. Um, they're not gonna. They're not a good team in that way, right? Like they're still they still have some things to figure out. And I think one thing they're gonna start figuring out is they're gonna be behind a lot moving forward in a lot of games. And I think that's why ETN is probably. This is probably the transition point between the two running backs. There, it was nice to see Robinson, you know, do what he did after coming back. But um, this is a long season. There's a lot of practices. People get injured, whether you're coming back from Achilles or not, and it's gonna it's gonna take a toll at some point. And I think they're gonna be a little bit smarter, knowing that they're gonna be behind in a lot of these games. I think ETN is going to get more targets moving forward, uh, more touches moving forward uh, in one way or another. Um, and another thing is, you know, I know we all don't really want to shy away from the Pittman thing right now, but moving forward from this point on, I would rather have Pierce on my team than have Pittman on my team, to be honest with you. And it's because Pittman has established as this deep threat, but 
that's basically it. Have we really seen Pittman do some of the things that Pierce has kind of shown us? And even if it was just one game, not really. Pittman has never really known to be like a, you know, I'll do a 15 yard, uh, not a 15, like a five yard slant or a quick dig route. I have never seen Pittman do a dig route ever in my life, you know? And Pierce looks like he has this like untouched potential where he can literally do anything. And he's shown something that I don't really see in many receivers. And that's adjusting to the ball. He's adjusting every day because Matt Ryan can't put a ball where he needs to put it. And Pittman's suffering from that. Whereas Pierce is literally stopping his route, turning around, running five yards back and catching the ball. So, you know, there is a world where, you know, if somebody were to ask me, do you want Pittman starting this week or Pierce? I'm going Pierce, probably moving forward until I see something that is making me think otherwise. Yeah, that's interesting. I've got both of those guys on my team and I'm kind of struggling with that as well. But I have, I'm not ready to make that decision just yet for Pierce. Right. Uh, I just need one more week and then maybe I can like justify yeah. that decision. Also, yeah. if they play. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying Pitt, Pittman was also dealing with the injury that he's coming back from as well. So again, I think until Pittman, you know, drastically falls off and and Pierce really solidifies his role outside of one week, it's it's probably a situation maybe you're just staying away from. But in bye weeks with, you know, wide receivers just getting more points in PPR and half point PPR and you're trying to start a wide receiver in your flex, um, you know, I still don't think it's the worst. I mean, the Jaguars are bad. The Jaguars are bad. So if there's a team, if there's a team to bounce back against, for Pittman, for Pierce, maybe even for both of them, or for this Indianapolis Colts team as a whole at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars who are coming off of a loss against the Texans. Seems like a nice spot. Vikings at Dolphins, man. I had this game circled a long time ago. Vikings are favored by three. Over-unders at 45 and a half. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends in Miami that I, when I used to go to school there and, you know, they, the shit talking has begun. Uh, my uh, coworker I work with is a huge Dolphins fan. The shit talking has begun. Um, but I just feel bad for them, you know, like Skylar Thompson, a seventh round rookie, um, you know, and I, I don't see a world. I mean, I, I hate to say this because I'm a Vikings fan and I could be jinxing myself, but the Dolphins aren't a really good football team at this point, And mainly because of injuries and the struggle on defense um, Tua, you know, whether you're a Tua fan, you're a neutral Tua fan, or you hate Tua, he is much better option than even Bridgewater or Thompson. You know, we could, that could be a debate, but you know, he's significantly better. And this game would probably been more of a closer matchup. Uh, the receivers would have been more successful. People coming out of the backfield would have been more successful. But now a seventh round rookie going against one of the top tier defensive minds in the last decade, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a problem. I'm sensing some turnovers. I'm sensing a lot of pressure coming, which the Vikings typically don't do, but they kind of have to. Right. Um, so and that, that, that makes me wonder, like, do I start the Dolphins receivers with confidence? Well, you start Tyree Kill with confidence because he has separation every play. Uh, but Waddle, I'm a little concerned right now. Waddle is the number two receiver in a lot of people's fantasy football leagues, uh, football teams. And, um, yeah, you're going to start him. But just remember this. Just remember this. When you start him and if he somehow doesn't have it that, that great of a game, uh, notice that unless it's Tua out there, if it's Skylar Thompson or whoever else is out there, Waddle isn't going to be targeted at that rate. He's going to be a secondhand look to Hill versus when Tua was out there, it was kind of like spread the offense all over because he developed that chemistry over the off season. But now, you know, Skylar Thompson, I don't know what to expect. So I'm a little, little concerned. So this week um, I'm going to monitor the situation. I'm still going to start Waddle, hope for a touchdown, hope for something, but I'm a little concerned at the rate of uh, targets that he's getting. And I'm not sure if he's going to get that. And I'm hoping and praying he does, but um, you got to be worried there. 
Um, Vikings offense rated number eight on defense uh, and number, um, sorry, Vikings offense number eight overall, defense number nine overall, fourth in passing touchdowns allowed um, is the defense and 28th in rushing touchdowns allowed is the defense. So you see where the weakness is, right? It's the Viking, people are running all over the Vikings as far as getting their touchdowns. And the Dolphins defense is 28th in points allowed. So Vikings offense should have no problem scoring on them. 26 in rushing touchdowns allowed. So Dalvin Cook game is a very big likely situation, especially if Skylar Thompson has a lot of three and outs. And 28th in points allowed for the Dolphins defense um, and uh, 28th in passing yards allowed. So like, just look at all those numbers and just think about how this game could possibly go. It should be a Vikings beatdown. And, you know, I say that and we go through this motion every day when I'm watching this game. Statistically, that's what should happen, but we have to see what, KOC has planned for this game. Are we going to continue to do this? Are we going to go fourth and five sometimes if we're on the other team's, you know, 39 yard line? So we have to be aggressive, make sure this um, hindered, damaged, broken Dolphins team gets put at uh, at their place early because if not, then you're going to let, you just can't have this L in your schedule going against a depleted Dolphins team with a bad run defense. It just can't happen. If you're looking towards the Super Bowl, you have to take this win and you have to take it emphatically, especially when you're now projected to be top five in a lot of people's power rankings. Yeah, I mean, the, the fear with the Vikings is always their defense. And I, obviously the quarterback plays a huge role in this and seventh round rookie quarterback should never be a cause for concern. But if, if you know, Mike McDaniel, who is a mastermind, develops an offensive scheme or offensive, uh, basically a game plan that's going to be short throws to Hill and Waddle and let them create in space, then this is a whole different ballgame because our secondary sucks outside of Cam Dantzler, I guess. So I, I think there's still a fear as a Viking fan and as a fan that knows that their defense is bad, that even though Thompson will not have the throwing capabilities of Tua deep or making these nice throws across the middle, if they're throwing screen passes to Hill and Waddle, I'm still concerned about our tackling ability and about our defense as a whole. So yeah, like you said, it's got to be a situation where we go up early and we, we we lay the foot down. But what's historically happened is even if we go up early, like the Bears against us, they start to claw back and it ends up somehow being a one score game. So yeah, I mean, it, it's it's stupid from a neutral fan perspective to think that this game is going to go any different than the Vikings winning this football game. So I think that's just the Viking bias within me. That's saying that, you know, something could still happen, you know, Cooper rush last year, et cetera. But um, I think, I think, like you said, as long as we come to play, we take the lead, we put the pressure on a seventh round rookie quarterback. There's no way he should beat us. Yeah. uh, One last thing. I mean, if the under hits, I think we lose. If the over hits, we win, right? It's, the, the Vikings defense is 28th in rushing touchdowns allowed. We allow a good amount of rushing touchdowns. And that's because, um, well, not, not because, but if in the Dolphins, we're facing a Dolphins team who has Mike McDaniels, like you said, they, that means automatically they're going to run the ball well. One way or another, they're going to find a scheme for the short game to work. That's going to happen. So what's the Vikings job? Stop the run game. You know, we have to figure this out at some point because there's – you want to make it an NFC championship game? You're going to stop running for an head somehow? I don't think so, right? So these are the things that have to develop now. And I think watching a struggling team, even with a mastermind on the defensive, on the offensive side, uh, that is a run first person. If we can take advantage of these situations while people are depleted and beat these kind of um, masterminds, then it bodes well for the future. Otherwise, if you just barely win this game, then come on. Like, what is the point of a win? I understand all wins are important and we're getting wins in every way possible because last year it was on the other end of that spectrum, right? Losing every game in every way possible. So I'm happy for the wins, but at what point 
am I going to be confident enough to say this is a good football team? I cannot say that at this point. Awesome. That brings up to our next game, the Cincinnati Bengals will travel to New Orleans to face against the Saints. The Cincinnati is favored by two points over under is 43 points here. Uh, so Joe Burrow is going back to Louisiana uh, where he played, where his alma mater LSU was. Um, some some note, things to note here, safety Von Bell, uh, Von Bell uh, defensive end Trey Henderson and uh, Eli Apple were all former Saints. So they're going to uh, want to bring the heat against their former team. Should be exciting, win, uh, exciting game to watch. The Saints are coming off a huge victory. Bengals are coming off a loss against the Ravens. Um, so it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. The, the the passing game for Joe Burrow and the offense has kind of been lacking uh, surprisingly. Uh, and with T Higgins kind of limited on practice, I kind of worry for this team because uh, he had 218 yards against a Baltimore defense that hasn't been playing well at all uh, up until the last game where they really showed up. And the Saints have not allowed a 300 yard passer in 14 straight games. So uh, Joe Burrow is going to have a tough time. But I think that if they they're going to need help from Joe Mixon and that running game. Uh, so Joe Joe Mixon averaged 5.6 yards uh, per game last just uh, last week. Right. So they're going to need that help and uh, help from the offensive line as well. That's going to allow Joe Mixon a lot of his yard that the, that average is high because of break of breaking tackles. So we need to see more of that from Joe Mixon uh, to just help out Joe Burrow. The Bengals defense um, on paper looks good, but they allow a lot of big plays. They need to continue making, uh, continue to playing well throughout the full course of this of the game, uh, especially with. I, th I think the Saints have a pretty good, uh, like a weird offense, right? You got Taysom Hill, you got Chris Olave, you got Kamara. Uh, it, it works, and they get points, so they're going to need to be able to stop that. All in all, I think that. Uh, I mean, it's really hard to. Uh, go with the Bengals here, but I am going to lean Bengals just because I, I mean, Jamar Chase, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Mixon, like, how do you not win games with those, just those three? And then add in T Higgins and Boyd, and like, that should be enough. But uh, I think the Saints defense might say otherwise, but I'm leaning Bengals, but I'm worried about that. We're expecting, I mean, when's, when's Jamar Chase's breakout game going to be? Has he had a good game all year? Like, the first uh, game. Oh, first, first game, game of was, the season. That was, so, and that was because they were desperate and it was, they were behind against the Steelers late in the game. Yeah. So, and against the Steelers of all teams. So it's like, you know, he has yet to have a big game against a big opponent. Chase will <laughs> feast. I'm taking the Bengals. Minus two with no Marshawn Lattimore. Give me the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, there's too much firepower here. And what's funny is like, I was looking through these games earlier this week and I was like, this is a Bengals dub. And I look at my opponent who's starting the Saints defense against the Bengals right now. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be a fun game to watch for me. I'm playing against Joe Burrow and Mixon, so that'll be fun. Yikes. That takes us to the Giants, who are hosting the Baltimore Ravens here. Giants, the surprise team of the season, 4-1 and one at home this week, getting no respect from Vegas. Home team, 4-1, and one, five and a half point underdogs to the Ravens coming in, over-under sitting at 45. Uh, the Achilles heel for the Giants has been their run defense. They are not ideal. They're allowing 131 yards per game on the ground. So are we expecting a big game finally from Lamar on the ground with maybe Dobbins having a breakout game? They have some running backs coming back from injury, so I expect a heavy dose of read option and running the football against this Giants team. Control that clock. There's no reason to put Saquon Barkley on the field if you don't have to. And what's interesting to note is Vegas understands one thing. Per PFF, the strength of schedule so far this year, the Ravens have had the seventh hardest strength of schedule, and the Giants have had the 24th hardest. So basically a really easy schedule. So that 4-1 and one 
that looks good on paper. Uh, you know, if you have to dig into those numbers a little bit, it is slightly skewed. So, I mean, I think the interesting thing here is the Giants have built themselves a little bit of a buffer in a tough division with the Eagles already starting out five and zero. So. They can afford to lose some football games. Obviously, you never want to lose a football game, but this looks like an ideal spot for the Ravens to bounce back. Lamar, you're deploying. I mean, I, I, I'm I, not starting Dobbins just based on my lineup, but I think you can feel better about starting Dobbins against the Giants than you have at least in the last couple of weeks. Andrews, full send. And then, you know, I think maybe Daniel Jones might be a nice streaming option again this week because he runs with you know, runs the football and uses his legs. So there is a floor to be had. Obviously, Saquon's a no-brainer, and there is nobody else on the weapons on the Giants side that you feel confident starting because half of them are hurt. So I think the Ravens should take this football game. I think the Giants are going to be kind of coming back to earth after a big steal of a victory in London against the Packers. This is a big letdown spot where the Ravens win this game. Absolutely. Um, speaking of letdowns, um, I don't think the Bucks are going to have one this week. You know, as much as I dislike the Bucs because they're in the Vikings conference, uh, Bucks face the Steelers this week. Uh, Bucks are favored by nine, over-unders at 45, and I have a feeling the Bucs could just score 45 by themselves. Um, Steelers are 30th in pass yards allowed, 28th in rush yards allowed, 30th in points on offense, and 32nd in passing touchdowns. Show it. Well, how do you fix this? What do you do? You know, it's just going to have to be some Kenny magic. All right, I like the sound of that. Um, Kenny Pickett's going against the number three passing uh, passing yards allowed team. So, you know, they barely allow any passing yards. Number six in defensive points allowed and yards and seventh in rushing touchdowns allowed. So Najee Harris, like, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable right now with Najee Harris. And, you know, I was I'm looking around in the, in the waiver wire. I mean, I don't have Najee Harris, but I'm looking at other people's teams with Najee Harris, and I'm like, who could this is this, that's my life. That's what I do. I, I play fantasy with other people's teams too sometimes. But I'm like, if I had your team, like I I am putting Najee Harris on the bench immediately, especially for the next three weeks. Uh, he could rumble into the end zone. You know, you can get a PI with pickings and all this kind of stuff. But what's likely to happen? And, you know, that's how you play fantasy football. Is what's most likely to happen and. Looking at after giving you all these statistics, I just gave about how how much the Steelers are struggling on offense and defense, and how confident the Bucks have been on offense with their strategy and on, on their you know defensive side. They're number seventh in touchdowns allowed. It's just too much firepower for a guy like Pickett who's just coming into his waddling into his third game ever, right? So it's like, yeah, there's not much here. Deontay probably just from a volume standpoint is the only person truly startable on the Steelers side because I suspect. Buccaneers will score quite a bit. Um, you know, later in the game, they may control the clock, but early in the game, Tom Brady does not like to do that. Although he has been doing that lately, I think he's going to take advantage of this defense and kind of, um, you know, get back to his groove. And I think that gives um, Deontay a good uh, outlook for a lot of targets because they're going to be behind pretty much the whole game. Um, and outside of that, you know, um, I hope, Shobit, you get to enjoy this game as much as you can because, you know, it's not looking pretty at this point. And after I asked you what, you know, what the options are, how they can possibly win this game. Your reaction pretty much answered that. I mean, you're playing against an elite Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, right? And you got Tom Brady and his weapons are out there and they're like kind right. of getting things, uh, you know, started finally. And so in week five, so like, it's going to be a tough matchup, but you know, it doesn't matter, right? We just need to get some reps out there. The defense needs to just play better. You know, we're not going to light up the uh, scoreboard, but just go out there, get familiar with this offensive scheme and just get the reps in. That's all I want. And then, you know, Deontay Johnson, I I, I went out and grabbed him 
Uh, I traded for I traded Gabe Davis for Deontay Johnson because like the Steelers are going to be down, and I'm like I don't want the home run maybe ifs on three three uh, catches. I want consistency, and I I'm you don't want thirty I, points. Interesting, interesting. That, I mean, like thirty points one game and three points another game. Like, what am I going to do with that? Right, like, so I'm not, for, based on an injured player though. I'm not hurt. sure. I'm not sure if you'll see three points like. For the rest of the season, for think about it like the, think about it like this: a player as the second wide receiver on arguably the number one passing offense in the NFL. Number two, number two, sure, whatever. Or a player on a team with small hands. Okay, so first of all, small hands doesn't get enough credit because he hasn't like he, he okay only I five interceptions. It. It's fine, you know. He's not five interceptions, well. like two of them weren't like even his fault. But Deontay, so three of them. Okay, the volume is the game here, right? Volume is the game. So. The Steelers are going to be down. Okay. So the Bills have Isaiah McKenzie, who's playing that slot position. He's going to get a lot of targets. Diggs gets a lot of targets. And there's going to be some games. And yes, Gabriel Davis may go off, but I am willing to not have like well, some games where I don't get any points from Diggs and I have to decide. We'll just I'll go with the it. reliable Deontay Johnson, get those seven, uh, six to seven catches, maybe some good in the t- red zone once the Steelers offense figure out. I'll take that gamble over Gabriel Davis. It's a bold strategy. Hold on. Last thing I want to say on that game is there's no stock in Najee removing the steel thing from his shoe to make him better because I'm still on the Najee train. Like, yeah, he looks bad, but it's not Najee that's bad. The offense is abysmal. The offensive line sucks. So yeah, Jalen Warren's outperforming him, right? I think we see this a lot where a backup that's spelling the starter gets better opportunities because the defense right. pairs less when the backup is in the game. So I'm still on the Najee train. I think you can buy him at an extremely low based on show, but I could probably give him like Dallas Goddard and he'd give me Najee Harris. So I would still buy Najee Harris because he's sucked so bad that there's only, like, if you're, if you're putting stock this in Deontay Johnson, if you're putting stock in Deontay Johnson on this offense with Kenny Pickett throwing the football, then there's no reason that there should not still be stock in Najee Harris because all those passes that don't go downfield are probably going to get dumped off to Najee, especially with Firemuth out now too. Yeah, game, just, yeah, that makes sense. But, but it's like based on the last two games, Kenny Pickett doesn't really dump the ball off. He tries to evade the pocket. So those are some targets that uh, Najee Harris isn't getting. So yeah, and, I, which is leading to L's. So maybe they'll make a change. Maybe they will be like, "Hey, let's not." Because you're right. You're absolutely right. But that's a rookie quarter. That's what a rookie quarterback does. He tries to get out of the pocket as quickly and as early as he can. Right. But as you start to get better as a quarterback, that's one thing you stop doing, which means you actually start going through your progressions, which means the future outlook, in my opinion, for Najee would be on the up and up. But that's just my opinion. Oh, I can tell you wrong. No, no, there's no way you could be wrong because when you're literally the worst running back in the league right now, statistically, from a starting running back standpoint, there's only one way to go and it's up. So statistically, you are not going to be wrong about that. I would grab Najee Harris. Like, there's no reason not to have him. You can, this is going to be the lowest value he's ever going to be, most likely. Ever, right? So at that point, like you said, someone will do it. Some, like, look at look around. Let's just look around for teams with shitty tight ends, like you mentioned. Look around for people with, that don't have a starting number two wide receiver that are freaking out. You can make it happen. You can definitely make it happen. I, I tried to propose a trade. I don't know if it's going to get accepted, but Najee Harris for Joe Mixon, and I don't think that's going to – I would nah. love to have Joe Mixon that's over Najee happen. Harris. Yeah, yeah nah. it's not going to happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Yeah, right. All right, moving on. So next game, we've got Carolina Panthers at Los Angeles facing the Rams. The Rams are favored by 10 points over under is at 41 and a half. 
Panthers defense is not playing so well. They're allowing 387 total offense uh, on average in the past three games. Uh, and that's probably, I was thinking about this, probably due to bad offenses, right? Like the, their, their offense is so bad, their defense is out there and they can only do so much. So uh, opponents are just getting the yardage based off of that. Uh, but in order for the Rams to win this game, the Rams offensive line needs to step up. They have been terrible. So through five games, 94 pressure and 21 sacks, just to kind of put that into perspective last year alone throughout the whole year, they only had 30 sacks. So 21 in week five, that's, that's a lot. That's a high number. Um, and Carolina is ninth in pressure uh, led by Brian Burns. He's got four sacks through five games. So the Dallas Cowboys did this, right? The Dallas Cowboys defense is what allowed the Rams to uh, allow the Cowboys to win and beat the Rams. The Panthers need to follow the same kind of model, and then they need help from their offense. But CMC, the guys, he, he's he's playing playing a decent, uh, has some decent stats this year, doing playing pretty well. And so we'll need more CMC. And then PJ Walker is going to get his first start, and he's the kind of guy that like. There's been two games last year where he was like, looked pretty good. And then all the other games, he didn't look so well. So he's going to have, have to have a good game, utilize DJ Moore, utilize Levishka Sanals and his uh, weapons in uh, Robbie Anderson and CMC uh, in order to come up with the win. But it's all, it starts from the trenches. It starts from the defense stepping up. Panthers defense needs to step up in order to beat the Rams or else they won't have a shot. I'm looking at another under, under 41 and a half seems really interesting in this game, just because the offenses don't seem to want to score. The only difference I'll add to the comparison of like the Cowboys last week is Cooper Rush. The one thing he was doing really well is protecting the football. And I don't have that same confidence in, in uh, PJ Walker. And so I'm actually starting the Rams defense in my other league against the Panthers. I don't know what you, if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great start. That, yeah, you know, I started the Rams defense with the first four weeks and I got nothing out of them even during good matchups. So I kind of jumped ship there and now I'm starting Jaguars defense, which is not much better, but I feel like that's still better than the Rams defense. There's a lot of good names on the Rams defense. Like I have, you know, Bobby Wagner on the IDP league and there's a lot of people that you expect to do what they do. Um, but, you know, football is not a three-man sport. Football, the wins and losses is a cumulative effort. And there is no cumulative effort on the Rams defense. There's a lot of lackluster performance from anybody not named the top three players that you guys already know who I'm going to mention. So I really hope for the Rams sake, to be honest with you, that they can take advantage of the situation because if for some reason they lose this game, if for some reason they lose this game, oh my God, the season's over. Might as well just give up because again, you know, you win the Super Bowl, you have this firepower of a throwing offense that's getting demolished because your offensive line sucks and your defense is not performing to the level that took you to the Super Bowl. The defense is actually playing pretty bad. So if you can't take advantage of this situation, then at this point, the Rams is just a name. And now we need to kind of look at them as like a second tier team, like a middle of the pack team and not who we think they are when we think of the Rams. So this is my last chance that I'm giving the Rams do something that's not Cooper cup. Like let's see if anybody can wants to play or wants to win. That's not named Cooper cup. And then we'll bring you back up to the top 33% of the league and not in the middle of the pack, which is where I'm putting you now. Yeah. But go back to the defenses. I think it's going to be really hard not to fade PJ Walker. Yeah. I think that starting the Rams defense is more a predicament of the Panthers offense and a backup quarterback yeah. who played in the XFL or whatever. <laughs> Was it XFL or CFL? I can't remember. But XFL. Yeah. XFL. So it's just, it's more so of like, we haven't seen anything from the Panthers offense outside of CMC. So he can still get a touchdown and the Rams can still have a decent fantasy day, but mm -hmm. uh, we will see. That takes us to Seattle. Another team that is in the same division as the Rams. They are going to be hosting the Arizona Cardinals this week. 
Uh, Cardinals on the road, minus two and a half point favorites. Cardinals are ugly and Gino's been hot. So that line is interesting over under 50 and a half. How long can this Gino show Smith last man? Uh, Gino Smith show. Did I say Gino show Smith? Gino Smith show. (laughs) How long can this Gino Smith show last? I mean, it's been a great story. It's one of those things where like, you're just waiting for the shoe to drop and you're like, oh, okay, that's where it is. And so every week that he doesn't do that, it's just more and more weeks that you're proved wrong. But I still can't buy into it. So I don't know if I'm alone. I don't know if I, if other people have fully bought into Geno Smith, but I'm personally still not bought in yet. I'm still waiting for the shooter drop. Uh, but again, they get a decent matchup here with the Cardinals who have been bad. The only, you know, kind of the light that's shining for Arizona is Seattle's allowing 170 rushing yards a game. So, you know, Benjamin day and Kyler Murray day should be feasting this week. Uh, Hollywood Brown hopefully has another good game there. They are only one week removed from getting Deandre Hopkins back. So I think this is another interesting one. There is a strength of schedule disparity. Arizona's had the ninth hardest schedule thus far. And Geno Smith's cooking with the 25th ranked schedule strength of schedule so far this year. So they've had it pretty easy. Arizona's had it rough, but that doesn't excuse kind of the lackluster offensive performance from Arizona thus far. Let's just see if this is a good matchup where they can control the clock. They can run the football. Kyler can be in good read option situations and they can throw enough to Ertz and Hollywood to get the job done. But in terms of starting, this might be a great, great fantasy uh, game for pretty much everybody that you have. Kyler Murray, you're starting. Geno Smith, you're probably starting. Eno Benjamin, you're starting. Ken Walker, you're starting. Hollywood Brown, you're starting. Lockett and DK, you're probably starting. And Zach Ertz, you're starting. So, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, that's the entire offense for both teams, basically. So this should be a good offensive day or statistically a good day for fantasy teams. Bills at Chiefs, man, that just brings music to my ears. That's like, I would rather watch Bills at Chiefs every single week than literally watch any other team. And I'm including my team in that. Bills at Chiefs, Bills at Chiefs just just sounds so great. Bills are favored by two and a half at Arrowhead. My God, the disrespect. When will they learn? Hopefully the Bills show us otherwise. Overland is at 54. It should probably be at 74. But um, Chiefs offense, man, the number two ranked offense in total fantasy points by a offense. Number one in points scored. Number one in passing touchdowns. Number one in red zone touchdowns. 14th in rushing touchdowns. And that is only because of sample size. They don't have to run the ball. So why would you run the ball, right? So you you can't be number one in passing and running. Then that means you're beating your teams like 60 to 10 or whatever. So great stuff from the Chiefs side. We're seeing a lot of dominance there. Uh, Chiefs defense, number three in rush yards allowed. So we're seeing some dominance on both sides of the field. Or, or teams are just throwing at will against them. Passing touchdowns, they're 30th in passing touchdowns. People may not be getting the yards allowed, but they're somehow getting in areas where they can score a lot of touchdowns against the Chiefs. The focus is there because, you know, what we talked about earlier with the other teams we're mentioning, you know, like the, the Steelers. What are you going to do? Nothing, because you're weak in all areas. However, there is an Achilles heel here. It's the pass defense. You know, the, the Bills, uh, Bills are not a team. You want to bring your 30th ranked passing touchdowns allowed defense. I know we're getting really nitpicky with statistics, but it matters. And, um, you know, like I mentioned the Bills earlier, the Bills are number one in fantasy points as a total offense, number two in total points. Number one in pass yards, number two in point score, number two in passing touchdowns. They're literally just alternating in all this offensive firepower category. Again, Bills at Chiefs, man. This just it's going to be an insanely good game. Um, and the Bills offense, 13th in red zone touchdowns. 
I'm thinking because they don't make it to the red zone. They hit the score so many touchdowns from the 40-yard line. They probably don't even have enough attempts to get to the red zone. This or isn't the two yard line. Or the two-yard line. So, you know, this isn't efficiency statistics. These are just straight up numbers. So, you know, both teams have sort of an Achilles heel. Chiefs more than the Bills, hence the two and a half favoritism. At least that's my explanation for why they're favored by two and a half. Bills D. Points allowed, number one. Yards allowed, number two. Pass yards, number four. Pass touchdowns, number two. Rushing yards allowed, number two. Rushing touchdowns, number 13. Again, teams don't rush against the Bills because they're behind every game. So those defenses, solid in every aspect. Even after losing one of their star safeties, it did not matter. It mattered for a little bit because both safeties were out, but now they got one back, so it does not matter. Those defense, solid in both aspects. Those offense, solid in every aspect. Chiefs offense, solid in every aspect. Chiefs defense, weak in passing touchdowns, and that's what we need to focus. So what that means for fantasy players, we're going to monitor Juju Smith and MBS, okay? I have a feeling one of them is going to have a big game because they have to. There is no option here. Juju had a lot of targets. I think he had around eight to nine targets, maybe close to that last game, and he came down with like three catches or four catches because he dropped three of them in one drive. At that point, you're like, man, do you want to be the number one wide receiver here or do you not? Because MVS took over soon after that, and he made a lot of third down plays where he you know, extended the play longer, and there was a lot of trust being developed. So now – and MVS also dropped a pass later. But something's got to give. We need some sort of um, reliability on this offense. They're ranked number two or number one, and number one in points scored, yet we're having – no wide receivers be like a threat. Have you ever even heard of that? That's the mastermind that is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. He said it week one. We should have all just listened to Patrick Mahomes. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, there will be no number one wide receiver. He flat out said that in a different form of sentencing, but he basically said there won't be somebody I'm going to target heavily, you know, discounting uh, obviously the goat in making there. Um, and then on the other hand, Marner, Cook, and Singletary, because Cook is up and up and up and up in all the trending factors for our running back. And Singletary is kind of trending downwards, even though he's making his owners slightly um, happy in what they're expecting out of him. Um, so monitor that because I'm still on the wet bandwagon that Cook is going to take this and run with it if we start seeing some big plays, which he's fully capable of making. And uh, Gabriel Davis, you know, coming off an injury, I, you know, I know it's, you know, you start them, you start them. If you have them, you start them. And uh, there's not many people that have three wide receivers that are better than Gabriel Davis right now. And fantasy football, I know we like consistency, but you can only be consistent if your team is in the top two, top three rankings on this division, or if you're fully confident in your team, then you become consistent. But if you are lacking in points in one form or another, if you're having some running backs that are not performing well and you don't expect them to get a 20-point outlook, you have to go with the Hail Mary approach. And I think that's what Gabe Davis brings to you more than any other receiver right now at this point. Yeah, I'm full sending Gabe Davis with full confidence. Yeah, against Kansas City Chiefs, I think that's a def- – you definitely start Gabe Davis. All right, next up, the Dallas Cowboys at Philadelphia against the Eagles. is Sunday night football showdown. Philadelphia is favored by six and a half points. Over under is 42. This is going to be an exciting game. Uh, Cooper Rush is playing, so no Dak Prescott here. Uh, Dallas is killing, like just demolishing NFC East in the last eight games. They've come up with a, a W on the last eight uh, games against the NFC East. 
And uh, they're going to have to run the ball. Cowboys are going to have to run the ball. Last game, 164 yards uh, between Zeke and Pollard. Uh, and Zeke only needs 38 yards to hit 10K for career. I think it's yards from scrimmage. So it could be passing or running. But uh, I think the Cowboys here, they are going to try to run the ball heavy because the Philly – Philly allows uh, five yards per carry and ranks 20th in run defense. So therefore, uh, I, I'm assuming the strategy is going to be just continuing to give the ball to your running backs and make sure that Cooper Rush doesn't fuck up. Like Cooper Rush just can't throw interceptions. However, Philly's like out here, like eighth in turnover difference, plus eight in turnover differential, right? So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough matchup for the Cowboys. I mean, you're going against an undefeated team and they're they're showing that they're undefeated for uh, a good reason. But the Cowboys, their, their main focus that we talked about is their defense. No team has scored over 19 points against them, uh, which is the first time since 1972. And then, but the Eagles come here and averaging 27 points per game, right? So David versus Goliath, what, who's going to break there? Uh, my money's on the Eagles. Not, I don't know about covering the spread, six and a half. That seems a little bit high for my liking, but I, I think that the Eagles come up with the win in this game. Yeah, the X factor is going to be that pass rush against Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is mobile and he can evade that pass rush. So is he going to be able to create plays with his legs, finds find guys deep once that once he breaks down the pass rush and gets out of the pocket, then that entire secondary that looks so great on paper because of that pass rush becomes the Achilles heel, right? That's when Trayvon Diggs gets burned deep for like 70 yards is when quarterback gets out of the pocket, the pass rush is not there to generate that pressure. And so that's going to be key. That's going to be key there. Um, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Like you said, I think the points are a little high just because there's more respect needs to be given to the Cowboys defense as a whole, but six and a half points in a divisional game. Um, yeah, I think that's a little bit high, but like you said, my money, if I had to bet, I think the Philadelphia Eagles should win this football game and go to six and oh. Let's end things with the Monday Night Football Showdown. The Broncos, who are playing some disgusting football, traveled to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Chargers at home favored by four and a half points over under 45 and a half. Broncos just need to flat out score the football, guys. I mean, there's really no way to say it. They're, they're averaging 15 points per game, and that's 31st in the NFL. And we talk about some pretty bad teams and offenses. They are worse than Pittsburgh. They are worse than Chicago. They are worse than Washington. They are worse than Houston and they're worse than Carolina. I just named like six of the worst teams in the NFL and the Broncos are scoring less points per game than those teams. So their offense has been atrocious, just absolutely atrocious. It doesn't help that this is their fourth primetime game already. So we're having to watch this atrocious offense as the single <laughs> game on TV every single time. That's really annoying. But I think the running game is going to be key on both sides. Eckler, Melvin Gordon, you're probably deploying those guys with confidence. Uh, big X factor here is, you know, as good as the Chargers offense is, as good as Mike Williams has been this year, he's got a tough matchup. Patrick Sertan's going to be on the other end. And if Keenan Allen doesn't play to take, you know, kind of that pressure off of Mike Williams, it could be a situation where Mike Williams has that bust game that, you know, he is kind of a boomer bust guy and, and he's had more boom than bust this year. But this is a game that, you know, I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Mike Williams owner, which I am. So uh, I think that Patrick Sertan is a, you know, top tier cornerback already. And if he is going to match up against Mike Williams, look for guys like Gerald Everett. Look for guys like, uh, is Palmer the one that got hurt or Guyton the one that got hurt? I forget. Guyton got hurt, I think. Joshua Palmer. Guyton got hurt. So. Or was it double Palmer? check that whoever didn't get hurt and is playing that guy should have a decent game just because Mike Williams is going to get probably bracketed with PS2 and the safety, which means the guy that's going to be playing out of the slot or the number two receiver is going to have a decent game. And again, I feel pretty great knowing that the chargers are still going to score the football that, you know, Gerald Everett is a guy that you're probably starting this week, just because again, 
the pressure and the defense is going to be focusing on Mike Williams. So uh, I don't know if you start Russell Wilson. I have him and I'm going to be a game time decision on Sunday and probably just make a bad mistake at like 1159. But oh, man. You're starting Melvin Gordon. Uh, I mean, are you starting Corlin Sutton? Because that goes hand in hand with Russ. Uh, Jerry Judy, I'm not confident about at all. But on the Chargers side, you're starting Herbert. You're starting Eckler. Uh, you're probably starting Mike Williams, even though he's got a tough matchup. And I think the biggest X factor of this game is going to be Gerald, Gerald Everett. I, I'm actually dwelling the Herbert situation. I'm dwelling, but I would rather start Russell Wilson than Herbert this game if, if I could. Um, Let's trade for one week and then we'll trade right back. <laughs> we can't. We need two days. We should have done this on two Thursday. Damn it! Damn it! If only we had like a commissioner that we could just like make the trade push through. Yeah, Ooh. that's so hard. <laughs> wait, why would you veto that? What's the reason to veto that? Yeah, yeah. it's just the principle. You can't get away from the principle. And I'm a, I'm a huge fundamentals guy. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, but um, yeah, I, I would, I would glad the, the Chargers defense sucks right now. It's bad. So I mean, I'm expecting a full, full blown Russell Wilson bounce back game. And um, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm debating between Herbert and Daniel Jones right now. That's that's where I'm at. I don't, I don't think you should bench Herbert, but that's just me. Let me ask you. Yeah, you I'm not Kirk, going would you, to. Would you start Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson this week? Kirk Cousins. I mean, I'm starting Russell Wilson. I just said I'm expecting a full blown Russell Wilson game this game. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins is not that kind of a player. He's just a game manager. He's a good. He's good at it, but he's not a 30 point kind of guy. I mean, Kirk. Kirk. I don't know, man. I. This game script, until I see they unleash the game script to like just pound, 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 throw, throwing it, I'm never going to pick Kirk Cousins on my fantasy team because there, it's, there's a game script that doesn't favor uh, the quarterback as far as like just five touchdowns a game. There's no there's no way that's going to happen the way we play football versus, you know, Russell Wilson has done that in the past. And if we're going to let Russell Cook, and what better game than to play this depleted Chargers defense? Yeah. Russell Wilson just had that like uh, injury or some some something that he did like he flew out to Los Angeles and yeah. got that- excuses right. excuses yeah whatever I, that was I'm right? just, I, I just but the other thing is yeah. like <laughs> you're playing against the Chargers defense J C Jackson is probably going to be facing Portland Sutton so you start Sutton for in, in terms of that um, but I think that I there's got to be eventually. Um, okay. The Broncos need to figure out this offense and like I, prime time. I mean, I would probably roll the dice and see what I can get from Russell Wilson. I mean, I'm already 0 5. So what's the worst that could happen? I go 0 yeah, 6 with the rest. So. There's, there's nothing that's available right now. If, if you look at the waivers, I'm sure, because I'm looking at the waivers too for my situation. And I know it sounds crazy. I'm sure Herbert's going to have a good game, but it's, it's, it's an understandable fear, right? Because my only, the only person that's been doing anything is Williams. And if Williams gets blanketed, by Sutton, then my the, the probability of getting a touchdown just drops significantly. And Eckler, it's bro, Eckler. Eckler will catch three touchdown passes for you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to bench Herbert. I'm not saying that, but this is why I'm good at this shit. Like, you have to think about things like this ahead of time, right? Like, you have to worry. If you don't worry and blindly start people, that's where you make mistakes. And I'm contemplating Herbert, which most people wouldn't even think to start. But the fear is there. And I know I'm hoping for the best. Obviously, that's what I'm going to start. I'm hoping for a 30-point game against this really good defense. But at the at the at the you know, at the probability that Williams gets blanketed, just who's gonna is Everett gonna have a three touchdown game? Is what if Eckler gets a handoff rather than a screen pass? Like 
the fears are there, and I would much rather have Russell Wilson. I would definitely much rather have Russell Wilson in this game. What All is right, the, let's yeah. time out, time out. Let's make a side bet on the podcast. I think Justin Herbert has a better fantasy day than Russell Wilson. So you're telling me I want to lose money where my quarterback does well? Absolutely not. I will be happy <laughs> if Herbert wins, but it's I'm a expecting... win-win for you. It's a win-win for you. Either your uh, fantasy quarterback does well, or you win money. It's a, literally a win-win. I don't care about money. I am strictly here to watch Herbert succeed and tell you my fears on why Herbert. There's an iffy meter there for why I should be concerned about him. Shove it. Like, do you want to make a bet with me? Shove it. Do you want to make a bet with me? Do you I'll think Russell was okay? So you're so you take Russell to have a better day. I take Herbert to have a better day. Yeah, I mean, I think I've given some examples of why I think Russell would have a better day. So I'll, I'll go with Russ, and then Sick. you go Herbert. All right. All right, this is a win-win for me then, because if Russ does well, my fantasy team yeah. is well. Otherwise, I win money. So I'm I gladly take that bet with you, Sean. <laughs> gladly. So what is this Russell Wilson uh, the thing that he got? Like, do, do you know more about that? Just it was an injection. It was, I think it was okay. a steroid injection. I think it's bullshit. That's what I think it is, if you really want to know what I think it sure. is. Yeah. Because, you know, he wasn't he wasn't wincing in pain. His range of motion wasn't affected. It was like a post-game soreness, which I assume, you know, and he tore like a part of his uh, – the latissimus dorsi is it's like the really big muscle in the back your lats and um you know again at the end of the day like if he was severely hurt he would have stepped out of the game it was a post game kind of a thing i think it's just fugazi i think it's just like you know all of his sponsors are like bro you better tell you tell their ass you're hurt because you're fucking losing us money right now and he's like all right bet that i think that's exactly what happened fugazi Man, I hope you are right and Russ Cooks, but that is going to do it for Monday Night Football Broncos Chargers. And that's it for the rundown, guys. Let's end the episode off with Moneymaker. I'm doing it. I'm doing it, man. I'm just going to continue to beat a dead horse and, you know, just be on the definition of insanity because we're taking another two-team teaser here this week. I'm going back to the well of the Green Bay Packers. They let me down against the Giants last week. There's no way they're going to go 0-2 against the New York teams and lose at home to the Jets. So you're teasing the Packers down six and a half to get them at minus one. And then you tease the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Pittsburgh Steelers down to minus two and a half. If the Buccaneers in Pittsburgh can't win by a field goal and the Packers at home cannot just beat the Jets, then we may just turn off betting all season. I I, I may just totally scrap moneymaker segment entirety because, yeah. again, I think we're going to have to regress to the mean of this early on season situation where under unders are hitting, where uh, uh, underdog teams are winning and covering way more and stuff. And these favorites, these teams, these juggernauts, the Buccaneers, the Packers are not just able to win the football games that they're supposed to win. Yeah, no, this game, I mean, this, this teaser makes sense, right? Steelers look terrible. Like they don't have any answer. They're not going to, it's going to be very tough for the Steelers to win this game. Uh, And then the Packers are coming off of loss. So uh, assume to say that Aaron Rodgers is going to have back-to-back losses. That's going to, that's that's tough at home. Right. Right. With the, you know, winning 10 by over 10 points in every home game. Against Zach Wilson. Yeah, Zach Wilson is bad. Let, let me just say that out loud. Zach Wilson is bad. And he's, he's really sneaking his way into getting these wins because their defense is pretty good. Like, Sauce Gardner is literally the new Ramsey. I don't know if you guys have been watching or, like, paying he's attention, done. but he is really freaking good. He's probably the second-best cornerback in the league, and the other guy is also a rookie. So shit's getting pretty wild as far as, like, changes in defensive um, areas of football right now. A lot of things are changing, and that one of the things is Jets' defense. Um I just find it a little funny how Packers let you down last week in one of the teasers and Jets let, and Jets kind of like were the reason you didn't get the other teaser. And then now you have them both in this new teaser. Yep. 
That's it. Definition of insanity, man. Definition of insanity. Just do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results yet. I'm just going to keep losing money. So it's going to be a beautiful thing. We're taking the Packers at home in Lambeau against Zach Wilson to win by one point. If they win by a point, I push. So they just have to win by two. (laughs) And then the Buccaneers against literally the decimated Pittsburgh Steelers. I I, I just got a notification. I just got a notification. That game is officially over. It actually ended just now. You know what? You know what? I am literally upgrading this play the more I talk about it. I put it as two units. I'm going five units on this. Five units on this teaser. Guys, I am very, very confident in this. The most confident I've been since last week. So, so. you know, I really hope the Steelers, I want the Steelers to win. But like, if they like, it's gonna be so sad because I'm gonna know that you put five units in it. I, I really hope it doesn't happen. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know which way to go right now. I think this bet should cash, barring Aaron <laughs> Rodgers or Tom Brady getting hurt and some kind of Fugazi shit happening. This bet should hit. So that is it. We're teasing the Packers and the Bucks again. We're going back to the same fuckers that let us down with hoping for different results. You know, two quarterbacks that are arguably going to be goats. So uh, one already is, and one can make the case. So. That's it for Moneymaker, guys. That is it for the episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you're listening, you can listen to us on any podcast platform. If you're watching, you're watching on YouTube. Hope your team wins. Hope I don't come on to this show on Tuesday with an 0-6 record. And I hope, and I hope Russell Wilson outplays Justin Herbert this weekend. So that is I it. I hope so, you. too. 36 points and 38 points. That would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. Music to my ears. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have a great weekend.